0: Advent. We've heard about it, seen it, posted about it, maybe even tasted it, year after year. So what is Advent? A countdown to presents? A celebration of pets? Beauty products? Cheese? Well, no. Advent is the season of anticipation and celebration, but the gift we're waiting for is Jesus, not cats. Because with Jesus comes all sorts of life-changing goodness, Advent gives us the chance to share in the ancient longing for the coming King, a Savior. And every year, for thousands of years, Christ followers have been lighting candles four Sundays leading up to Christmas. These candles represent four themes in the Bible. Hope, peace, joy, love. That came forth with the long-awaited arrival of Jesus. Okay, okay. I'm going to try it one more time. How are you doing this morning? Everybody good? You know, it's, it's always good to uh, celebrate uh, the, the birth of Christ. And I love this season. How many of you love Christmas? Okay, hands are going up everywhere. I love Christmas because I, I don't want to just get into the, the mood. But, you know, obviously the most important reason we celebrate it is what we've been talking about over the last three weeks. And so today we, we finalize our Advent series. And we've been lighting a candle every week. The first week was the candle of hope. The second week was the candle of peace. Last week was the candle of joy. And then today we're going to do love. So let's go ahead and light these candles. We're going to start with hope. You guys remember what we talked about with hope that we can be dealers of hope because of the hope that we have in Christ and his coming. Amen. And then week two we talked about peace that we can have the peace of God. And peace with God. Are you glad you have peace with God today? Through Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about joy. That joy is not based on our circumstances. But it's based on the reality that Jesus again came and and went to the cross. And we can experience joy as we dig into his word. As we we worship. Remember the presence of God is fullness of joy. And then this week we're going to do love. So I'm going to go ahead and light the love candle. And then I'm also going to light this one in the middle, which represents um, our Savior. Anybody glad for Jesus this morning? I, actually, is it, is it, what does it do? Ah, it doesn't light. <laughs> I just lit it. How about that? Okay. So this, this series has been amazing. Anybody enjoyed the series this, this uh, year? Um, I don't know. Again, as I study these messages, they impact me way before they impact you and as I look at you know, all of the things that are happening in, in the world and how that there's a, not a lot of hope. I'm thankful that Jesus brought hope. I'm thankful that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We sang it this morning that he promises peace even in the middle of the circumstances, right? Remember, none of these are based on the out, outward circumstances. Every, every one of these are an inside-out work. Would you agree that hope is an inside-out work? Joy is an inside-out work. Peace is an inside-out work. And how many of you know that love is as well? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start by uh, just talking to you a little bit about uh, what, what the world says love is, right? How many of you know the world tries to define love? Anybody know they're searching for love? There's a song, right? Looking for love in all the wrong places. There's several songs. Really, a lot, most of the songs that you hear on the radio are about what? They're love, you know, And some of these maybe you'll, you'll recognize through the years, some of you, maybe I'm dating myself, maybe some of you are dated. What about the Beatles? Anybody love the Beatles? Nobody loves the Beatles. Wow. OK. OK. All you need is love. You know what they said? What about Diana Ross? Anybody know who Diana Ross is? What the world needs now is... Love, right? What about Mariah Carey? She had a vision of love, right? The Righteous Brothers. Anybody know The Righteous Brothers? You've lost that? All right. Some of you know it. Huey Lewis. Anybody know who Huey Lewis is? It's the power of, all right, White Snake. This is an old one, right? <laughs> they, they ask the question, is this love I'm feeling? All right? What about, uh, you guys all ought to know this one, Whitney Houston. Anybody know who Whitney Houston is? How will I know if he really loves me? Beyonce, crazy in love. Elton John, can you feel the love tonight? What about Justin Bieber? Any Bieber fans in the room? What did he say? As long as you love me. And then the one I, maybe I mentioned here, foreigner, he asked the question, I want to know what love is. So the world's searching for love, right? And I think they've, they, as the song says, we've already said it, I think they've been searching in the wrong place, had not they? And maybe even they've, they've tried to define it. And can I just be honest with you? I don't think... They've done a good job of de- defining it. How I many would, would agree? Because the love that I see them talking about, it's not, it's not really love. Many times it's just lust, right? Or desires for things that really will no, never satisfy. And So the, the idea today is, is to say, well, where do we go? Where do we turn if we really want to truly want to know what love is? Maybe we can talk to those guys from foreign and say, hey, I think we know. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you know. Amen? And so what we are going to do today is we want to explore this idea of love and and maybe help give you a clearer picture of what love is. It's a a difficult thing to define, isn't it? Because it depends on who you talk to. Or even when you talk about love, we use that word for a lot of different things, right? I love me some Buffalo Wild Wings. Right? What's your favorite food? How many times have you said that? I love whatever. Or I love that song. And then we use the same word to say, I love my wife or my husband or my kids. That's a pretty wide range of definitions. Would you agree? And so what I want to do is I want to narrow this down and help you understand that there's a love that God gives that will meet every need that you have, that will give your life significance, that will help you live the full life Christ promised. How many of you want that? How many of you want to take that journey with me this morning? I want to know what love is. How many say it with me? How many of you want to know what love is? I want to know. I think we can. And so, where are we going to turn? Where are we going to look? We're going to look in the scriptures. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about this beautiful word called love. So, I'll, here's what I want to do. I'm going to start with a, a, a prophecy given in the book of Isaiah. You, you're familiar with this. Isaiah 7:14. Here's what the Bible says. Isaiah. Remember, he's prophesying this 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And so. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. So it's clear in Scripture that God became flesh. That the maker, Let's think about this for a second. The, one, the same God who spoke the world into existence with just his words who hung the planets and the stars in space, who created this world that we see with all the beautiful mountains and rivers and all those places that that keep us standing and all, that same God said, you know what? I'm going to put on skin. Why? Why would God himself want to put on human skin? We're going to answer that question, Okay. So, the prophecies given in Isaiah seven fourteen, And then we go to John chapter 1. Watch this. Here's John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this is actually Jesus talking. He says, the Word became flesh. Who's the Word? Say it loud. Who's the Word? Jesus is the Word. He became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, he came to live with us, to walk with us, to... to Abide with us. And what, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son. Who came from the father. Full of grace. And truth. So. Is it, is it clear folks. That God put on flesh. And walked among us. Does the Bible accurately describe that. That, that becoming a reality. So then it becomes. Why. Why did. God, go to that much trouble to put on human flesh? You know what the word is? Love. The reason Jesus came. Why would the maker of heaven and earth come and make this drastic decision to live here among us? What would be his motivation? The answer is, say it, love. Why? Why is why is it that he loves you so much? Well, watch this. John, 1 John gives us an, a picture of why and even who, Jesus, who he, Jesus is. And so now we know and rely on the love of God that God has for us. And I want you to look at that. I highlighted that. What does it say? Read it loud with me. God, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Now watch what, this verse. This is how, he, how love is made complete. Everybody say complete. We're always thinking about full life, right? We're always talking about full life. And we're act- always answering the question, what does full life look like? Well, if you're going to have a full life, you're going to live in love. And here it is, that love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Why is that so important? We'll talk about that in a second. I want you to hold on to that, that idea of we have confidence on the day of judgment. And I'm going to give you a clear picture of why we have confidence, Right. In this world, we are like Jesus. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So many times when you fear, what the scripture is saying is you're you're afraid that you're going to be punished, that you're going to be judged, right? That's a lot of times, that's what it's saying there. And so for us to understand, number one, God is love. He doesn't just do love, right? No, it's his being. It's his character. It's a part of, it's who he is to love. Does that make sense to everybody? And so that's the place, a good place to start. If we're asking the question, why God put it on flesh, and we know that he's love, then maybe that's the reason he came is because he loves you. Amen? And so, the reality is God is love. And that he is, the. listen to me, he is the originator and the source of love. So, when, the, when Forner asks the question, uh, you know, I want to know what love is, if they're not looking to God, guess what? They're missing it. They're never going to find the answer to that question if they look in the wrong place. And so, where do we look? Look to God. So, if you, if you understand the, the New Testament, there are actually four Greek words that are that actually are translated to the word love. Okay? Number one is the, the, the idea of phileo. It's a, it's a brotherly love. Anybody ever went, been to Philadelphia? What do they call that, that city? Why do they call it that? Because the word Philadelphia is from this root word, which means it's just a brotherly, friendly kind of love. It's the the love that you would have for a friend, a person that you're really close to. Anybody got any friends like that? Are y'all awake today? So the less you interact with me, the longer I preach. So... So, Philadelphia, it's a brotherly love. And then there's this word called eros. Now, here's, here's the problem with this one. Uh, it's a God given thing that, that God gave us the, the gift of romance, did He not? And He gave us the gift of the S word. Anybody know what that word I'm talking about? The problem is the world has taken that idea of intimacy and sex. And perverted it so much that when we think about that word eros, it's actually, we think negative. But listen, folks, in the context of marriage, come on somebody, it's okay, right? It's actually a good thing. Are you with me this morning? And so there's this Greek word eros, which is a, a romantic love. And then there's what we call storge, which is a familial love. So it's your family, a love for you have your family. How many of you have some family that drive you crazy? How many you are looking forward to this weekend being with some of them? But here's the thing. Y'all can fight like cats and dogs, right? But you let somebody else come in and mess with them. What happens? (sighs) The claws come out. Don't you mess with my brother. Don't you mess with my uncle. Is that not right? So we have Philadelphia. We have Eros. We have Storge, which is a familiar love. And then the last one is agape, which is the love that I want to focus in on and hone in. And the reason I want to is because this is the kind of love that describes God. The love that he showed you and I is what we call agape. And so let me, let me just declare this to you. To experience the agape love of God, you have to acknowledge your condition before Jesus. And so are you all ready for some really bad news? How many of you love bad news? I hate bad news. But in this case, I got to tell you the bad news so I can share with you. How many want to hear the good news? Well, I'm getting there. But first, I got to establish this. So to know, to experience the love of Christ, which they, okay. Um, Anyway, I just got distracted for a minute. I'm sorry. To experience the love of Christ. You have to understand your condition before you know him. Now, what does that look like? Well, the Bible is very clear about what that looks like. First of all, here's the narrative of Scripture. If you read the very first book, you read the story of creation, right? Beautiful thing. And the Bible says at the very beginning of creation, God, every time he created something, what did he say at the end of it? And it was good. Even when he created Adam and Eve. What did he say? And it was, but something happened. What happened? The narrative of Scripture describes this in Genesis chapter three. Adam and Eve rebelled. God had been real clear. Listen, how many know? Whenever you're, God's expecting something from you, or you're, anybody you're expecting something from, you just want it to be crystal clear. Are, are we? Is that right? Was God crystal clear with Adam and Eve? Yes. And yet, somehow, some way, they misunderstood. And they felt like that maybe God, there was this this lack of, just a smidgen of lack of trust in God that he was true to his word. And they listened to the wrong voice and they disobeyed God and they rebelled against God. And here's what happened. Because of that, we have a major problem. That's the bad news. So here's what The Bible says about, we call it sin, right? The disobedience that Adam and Eve made in the garden caused this huge problem for you and I. Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is what? And I love that the, the second part of that, which we'll talk about in a little bit. The gift of God is eternal life. But the problem is, our sin, Adam and Eve's sin, caused a death. What kind of death? Spiritual death, right? And so the problem is when when we are born into this world, we are born enemies of God. Because here's what Ephesians 2 says. We are dead. Everybody say dead. Dead in your transgressions and your sins. More bad news, right? So sin causes spiritual death. We've sinned, and so therefore, before Christ, we're we're dead, right? More bad news. And then, I'm going to give you some more. According to Paul, because we're dead in our trespasses, because we're in sin, we're enemies of God. Romans 5.10. For while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through his death The death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through life? There's good news there in that passage, right? But I'm honing in right now on the bad news that because of our sin, we're dead. And we're enemies of God. Boy, that's a problem. And you might say, Pastor, it's Christmas. It's a time for joy and celebration. Am I right? How many would agree that's what we normally want to do? And then you might ask, why are you presenting this? Why are you telling us how bad we are as human beings? Because, listen, if you don't understand the depth of your sin, you can't celebrate with joy the depth of God's love for you. Are you with me? And so I'm laying a foundation here for you to understand how deep in the the mess you are without Jesus. The story of Christmas is not an isolated story. For December alone, is it? No, it's the narrative of all of Scripture. And it's the most important narrative, folks, because let me declare this to you. You need to get real about your own sinfulness. Well, pastor, I've never killed anybody. I've never committed adultery on my wife. I'm a good person. You ever, anybody ever heard anybody say that? Well, according to Jesus, can I really hit you in the face right here real quick? According to Jesus, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery there. According to Jesus, if you hate your brother, without a cause, you're already guilty of murder in your heart. You just had not followed through with it. Ouch. Everybody say, ouch. Does that hurt? Here's what the Bible says, Romans 3.23, all, everybody say all. What does all mean? Everybody, turn to your neighbor and say, you're in all. Now, you're not, you're not judging, you're not calling them a sinner, but we're just, we're just ratifying what the Bible says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. More, more problem, right? So it's not just an isolated few people that are in the same... We're all in the same boat. folks. Your pastor is in the same boat. We have broken God's law. And because of that, we have spiritual death. And we're enemies of God. Boy, if we leave it there... Anybody excited about leaving it there? How hopeless would it be for us to have that knowledge that we're spiritually dead, that we're sinners, and we're enemies of God? How hopeless would that be, folks? Utter hopelessness. And I can't imagine, you know, how people go through life thinking they're okay, not understanding. There's, I mean, folks, listen. It doesn't matter. What, it doesn't matter what you believe about God, because. Whether you believe it or not, if he really exists, this is a problem for you. Are you with me? You can't believe God away. Are you with me today? You may not believe in him, but he's still there. He's still real. And there's a real God who has, has a real love for you, but also hates the sin. Amen. Amen. So we have to come to terms with this idea, first of all, that God hates sin. He's holy. We've seen that a lot. You're holy. What does that mean? What does it mean that God is holy, that he's totally different? He's he's totally different than you and I. He's totally separate. He's totally sinless. Amen. He hates it. It's a problem. So here's what I'll declare to you today. Although he vehemently hates sin, everybody needs to lean in this. Although he vehemently hates sin, listen to me, he's passionately in love with you. Are y'all, y'all get that? And that's where the good news starts to emerge. That because God can't just overlook our sin, right? Because the Bible describes God not only as holy, but as just. What does justice mean? That when there's been a wrong done, it has to be made right. Somehow, some way. And so if God just said, you know what, Charlotte, you're a sinner. I'm going to overlook it, and I'm just going to let you off the hook. Would would he be just? Yes or no? No. I love this, though. Because his love for you drove him to say, I'm not going to... I am not going to overstep my justice. I'm not going to overstep my holiness. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to still be just, and I'm still going to be holy, but I'm also going to love you at the same time. And you know what the cross says? I'm taking care of both. Isn't that good news this morning? Isn't it good news that Jesus took care of both the love for you and the sin of mankind all in one one event? Is that good news? Can you give God praise for that this morning? Here's how I know. So here's how I know. Romans 5 8. What did God do? But God, what does He do? In other words, let me show you. It's not just here, is it? It's not, hey, I love anybody ever told somebody you love me, you really didn't mean it? I've done that before, probably. Not God. If God says it, you can take it to the bank. Amen? And so what did he say? I'm holy. I'm just. I cannot let sin go unpunished. But I love you too much to punish you for it. So here's what I'll do. I'll punish myself. Is that good news? Wait, how many of you are glad he, he chose to punish himself for your sin? Boy, it's good news. Because while you were still doing what you're... I mean, he looked... Listen, he looked ahead in time. He looked ahead 2,000 years and saw your mess. He might have had any mess. You'll mess up. Let me say this. He saw your mess ups. He said, I'm going to die for those sins. Past, present, future. Isn't that great? Remember, what's, what's the question? I want to know what love is. I know you, I want you, know, I know you can show me who we talking to. Why don't we point it here? I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Okay, I will. I'll show you. I'll go to a cross. I'll bleed. I'll die for you. I'll walk out of the tomb so you can have eternal life. Man, that's good news today. I'm preaching better than you're responding. I'll say that really quick. So you have to be aware of the depth of your sin so that you can appreciate way much better the depth of God's love for you. Amen. The second thing, to experience his love, you need to acknowledge what he was willing to do for you. It's not something you could do for yourself. That's why I'm saying, when people say, well, I, 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 you know, I help old ladies across the street, or I give to the church, or I do all these good deeds. Those are not good enough. They're not. They're great, but they're not good enough to save your soul. That's the problem with other religions. Every other religion except Christianity says this. Well, maybe if I do enough good works, it'll outweigh my bad works, and maybe I'll be okay. Can I give you a, a really confidence here? If you're placed your faith in Christ, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your present is. It doesn't matter what your future is because God took care of it all on the cross. Your sin taken care of now and forever. Amen. Can you acknowledge what he's done for you? Let me say, Pastor, I want to acknowledge what he's done for me. Let me see your hand. Look at that all over the place. Those are online. Acknowledge what he's done for you. Here's what he did. I love this. Remember I said God's justice and his love for you taking care of 1 John 4 takes care of both. Watch this. This is how God, what did he do? Say it loud. Showed what? For who? Us. Are you in us? He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might, come on somebody, we might live through Him. Verse 10, this is love. In other words, I want to know what love is. Show me. Okay, I'm glad you asked. Not that we loved God. We didn't, have, we didn't love Him. Remember, you're dead You're trespasses. You're an enemy of God. You didn't love Him, but here's what He did. He loved you, and here's what He said. I'll show you. By punishing my son. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. One translation says propitiation. That's a cool word, isn't it? Anybody anybody ever heard of the word propitiation? How many theologians do we have in here who've heard, heard of the word propitiation? What does it mean? I don't know, pastor. I have no idea. Can I tell you? God's wrath satisfies. What's he mad at? I thought God is love. He absolutely is. But you ever seen anybody who that, there's that fine line? They're so passionate. Sometimes it almost teeters on anger. Anybody know anybody like that? Listen, God's angry at sin. He hates it. He's holy. He's just. And so what he did was, let me just go ahead and smack it to my son. Let me just pour out my wrath, my anger on him, so I can show you love. Well, that's a good trade-off, isn't it? So let's read, put that back up there for me. This is love. I want you to get this. Not that we loved God, that he loved us and sent his son as a what? Atoning sacrifice for your sins and mine. That's love. You getting this? How many of you are getting it? Say yes. Okay, so I got to understand, I got to acknowledge I'm a sinner. The depth of my sin, I got to acknowledge what he was willing to do for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 20. We've been reading this a lot lately. I love this because I love the trade-off. We continue to be reminded of the trade-off that we get when we place our faith in Christ. God made him who had no sin, who's that talking about? Jesus, to be sin for us. In other words, he carried your sin to the cross, right? So that in him, we might become The righteousness of God. When we place our faith in Christ's finished work. We're in right standing with God. For eternity. Amen. Are you glad? Are you glad that you're in right standing with God for eternity. Because of your faith in Christ. Amen. I love this. Christ's death. Took care of the anger issue. And. He was able to display his love. Why? Because God is love. He's the personification of love. Him coming in flesh was because he loved you. I hope you're getting that. What does love look like? Well, we've already described it as agape love. It's it's God's kind of love. It's the way he loved you. So is it possible for you and I to love that way? Is it possible for you and I to show agape love? If you're in Christ, absolutely it is. So the distinguishing factor of this word agape is action, right? Love is not an emotion, is it? Now it can manifest itself in emotion, but the the word itself is a verb. Right? The agape love of God is a, is a love of action. In other words, it's displayed, it's shown, and we've already, we've already established that. He demonstrated, He showed us His love when He went to the cross. So let's acknowledge what love looks like. Can we do that today? Can you acknowledge what love looks like? Number one, love sacrifices. If you wanna know what love looks like, we're getting a clear definition of love, right? it sacrifices in other words it's us laying down our own comfort and our life for somebody else anybody glad for the sac- anybody in the military here if you've ever been in the military you are in the military raise your hand real quick can we applaud them so, so what you did was what you did was you said, I'm going to lay down my comfort. Some of you went to other countries to protect the freedom that we have. What do we call that? Sacrifice. You love your, you love your country, and so you sacrificed. Y'all, y'all with me? You laid down comfort so that, we, so that all of us, you and I who didn't go, can have the comforts that we have. Isn't that good news this morning? And so when we understand that's what love does it sacrifices it lays down its own life for somebody else and that's exactly what Jesus did and here's what he said in John 15 he said greater love has no one than this than to what to lay one da- one's life down for friends man and what a what a beautiful understanding of of how God feels about you because Jesus said this he says i no longer call you slaves Or servants, what does he say? I call you now. You may know what he said. Call you friends. So in other words, he was willing to sacrifice. Because he wants to call you friend. Amen. How many of you want your marriages to flourish? Every relationship you have, you want it to flourish. Let me see your hand. Why not sacrifice for that person? Oh, but you don't know how they it doesn't matter. Listen, this this agape love is not conditional on how they treat you. It's based on your love for them. That's exactly what God listen. If God, you know, if God was responding to how we treat him, he would never come to the cross, amen. And so if you want to have a a relationship, a marriage that flourishes, if you'll just be willing to sacrifice, if you'll be willing to show agape love to your spouse, to your friend, I guarantee you, your, your marriages will flourish. Amen? And listen, what if both of you did that? What if both of you, Josh, lived sacrificially for each other? What kind of marriage could you have? How many want that? I do. And there are times, folks, you know, I love my wife with all my heart. There are times that I have blown it with her. Amen? You don't have to say amen. There are times when I've blown it with her, but yet she says, you know what? I still love you. I still care about you. I'll sacrifice for you. That's agape love, folks. So if you want to know what love is, I want to know what love is is sacrifices lays down its life for somebody else and I love this is this is man this is amazing love gives love gives yeah it's closely related to sacrifice obviously but the best thing a person can do is to give of themselves, right? All of themselves, and that's exactly what Jesus did. The most famous, probably the most well-known passage of Scripture in the Bible is what? What do you say it would be? I heard it. John three sixteen. For God so, what did He do? He loved the world that He say aloud. He gave His one and only Son but whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so not only does love sacrifice but love gives. And so the next question is well how, how much does he give? This is I, this is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. I want you to see this. If you maybe you maybe you've not felt that God loves you, maybe you felt like God was distant and didn't care about you, and I'm here to tell you because of the cross, here's what he says. See what great love the Father has. Come on, say it with me. What does the word lavish mean? I mean, we're talking above and beyond, baby. We're talking about abundant love, amen? Uh, Kind of blow your mind kind of love, amen? What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called what, or who actually? Who are you if you're in Christ? You're a son or a daughter of God. Is that good? Can we celebrate the fact that we're sons and daughters this morning? And I love it because John says, in case you didn't get that, and that is what we are. I want to know what love is. Are you getting a picture? How many of you are getting a picture of what love is? It's the agape love of God. It sacrifices and it gives. I want to give you even more clear picture. Because Paul prayed a prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. And I want you to, to lean into this passage. And, and as you read this, I want you to internalize this. Watch this. He says, I pray. Remember, it's a prayer for you. you know, he's talking to the church, right? He's talking to the church at Ephesus. And he's praying a prayer for the church. And he says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources. Who's he? Who's he that he's talking about? Jesus, right? From his unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. How? Through the Spirit. Watch this. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love. Are you glad for that? And keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And this next one, it's not about here. It's here. What does he say? May you experience. Everybody say experience. What? What what does he want you to experience? The love of Christ. Though it is too great. In other words, again, for for me to understand and and think about the God of the universe, clothing himself in flesh, dying on the cross so he could be your friend, blows my mind. Does it blow anybody else's mind? So maybe it's too great to understand. Then you will be made. Everybody say complete. Complete. With all fullness of life. In other words, you want full life? How many of you want full life? How many of you believe that's what Christ promised you? You want it? Experience the love of Christ. Through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. Then you will be complete with all fullness and power that comes from God. I'm going to let that sink in just for a second. The Spirit of God, as we've said throughout this whole series, is the catalyst for all of this. He's the catalyst for joy. He's the catalyst for hope. He's the catalyst for peace. And guess what? He's the catalyst for love. Because Romans 5 says this. He sheds The love of God abroad in our heart. I like to say it this way. I just want a baptism of love. Anybody want to be baptized in the love of Christ? The last one here. Love pursues. Love sacrifices. Love gives. And love pursues. What do I mean by that? Remember... Every person on the planet has the same problem. What's their problem? We established it. What is it? Everybody say it loud. Sin. We're dead in our trespasses, right? And so what God uh, did was he took action, right? Clothed himself in flesh. But even while he was here, he made it clear why he was here. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, here's what he says. For the Son of Man came to do what? And not just seek. Not just to go after you. What does he want to do? What's his end goal for you? Save you from your sin. So he came to seek and save that which is lost. Has anybody ever been lost? I was. You notice I said was. So Jesus made it clear. The agape love. Let me show you what love looks like. It looks like sacrifice. It looks like giving. But it also looks like pursuing. Anybody remember when they first started dating their spouse? What did you want to do? Well, maybe I'll get around to going and seeing her. No. You couldn't get enough. Right? Every night. Hey, sweetheart. I love you. Y'all did that, right? I hope you did. That's what I did with Lori. I love you. What did I do? I pursued her. Right? I went after her. Why? Because I love her. God loves you. So guess what? Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me. Fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it for sure. But he did it anyway. Are you glad for that this morning? Love pursues. And then there's this moment in... actually a prophecy concerning the Messiah in Isaiah 61. And Jesus actually reads it in Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read it to you out of Isaiah 61. Remember, what's he doing? He's pursuing. Watch what he says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Oh, the spirit's at work. Okay. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim what? Everybody say it. What do we say the word gospel means? good news. So there's a picture of the gospel right there. Jesus came to share with you the good news. And watch this. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart. Anybody ever been hurt? Anybody hurt right now? God wants to bind your broken heart. Amen. To proclaim freedom for those who... Anybody held captive? Anybody ever been held captive by something? Maybe you've been addicted. Maybe there's been some habits that you've you've been addicted to. And God said, I've come to set you free. As a matter of fact, I'm chasing you down to set you free. Boy, that's good. And release from darkness for the prisoners. Now watch this. I love this. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Wait a minute. Does anybody know what the word grace means? What does it mean? You theologians, what does grace mean? Unmerited favor. So what did Jesus come to do? He came to pursue you, to present to you the good news. I I've i come that you might have life and have it to the full. I've come to die for you, to walk out of the tomb so I can show you favor. Is that good news to anybody? Again, I'm preaching way better than you guys are responding. I, to comfort all who mourn. Folks. To give those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a, a crown of beauty for ashes, right? The oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of what? Despair. Folks, listen. God has come to set you free, to turn your attention off your circumstances, to turn your attention off the things that have been bugging you and say, fix my eye, your eyes on me. I've come to set you free. I've come to give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, somebody. That's what he came to do. That's why he pursued you. There's no shadow he won't light up. Well, how's it go? Mountain he won't climb up. Coming after me. Come on, somebody. There's no wall. Lie, he won't tear down. Coming after, say it. Say it loud. Coming after me. Yes, yes. He pursues. Love pursues. What's the outcome? Eternal life. I want to know what love is. You know. Does anybody have a clearer picture of what love is now? I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. I was on my way to hell. I was an enemy of God. And God said, I love you. I'll clothe myself in, in flesh. I'll die on the cross, I'll walk out of the tomb to demonstrate how much I love you. I will chase you, I'll pursue you, I will sacrifice for you, I will give for you. So here's how I'll end this. Without a cradle, you can't have a cross. Amen. Amen. That's why we celebrate Advent. Remember, we look back with celebration, thanksgiving for what Christ did. His first coming means eternal life for you. And then we can look forward with confidence, remember, in the day of judgment. Remember, that's what's going to happen. At the end of our days, we're all going to stand before God. Remember what, what it said? If you don't have love, you fear that judgment. I've got good news for you. You don't have to fear it. You can stand before God with total confidence because of what Jesus did at the cross. And all you have to do, your job is to place your faith in what Jesus did for you. How many of you want to do that this morning?